In this episode, Dr. Sean Haran and I came up with a few sketch ideas. I love the Dr. Sparkle Fingers. Oh, the prostatism. The sex positive priest. Is this like confession? The East Coast Italian guy trying to teach a consent class. That That East Coast attitude. Which one did we pick? You'll find out on this episode of... It's a sketch comedy podcast show. Welcome to Sketch Comedy Podcast Show, the one-of-a-kind show where I, Stuart Rice, invite interesting people to have intriguing conversations and then improvise a comedy sketch based on what we talked about. It's the only show like it on the internet. When you think of a doctor, perhaps you imagine a white lab coat, glasses, a stethoscope around their neck, and an insatiable sexual appetite. Well, maybe that has to do with the fact that most of my impressions of doctors come from Grey's Anatomy and this episode's guest. Dr. Sean Horan is a self-proclaimed sex geek and is a naturopathic primary care physician in Portland, Oregon. When he isn't being a talented doctor, he is designing sex toys and lubricants and running classes on how to keep whips medically clean so the world can be a safer place. We have a great discussion on his journey from a nice Italian boy headed to seminary to a raucous life as a swinging sexy doctor. We also talk lube. Lots and lots of lube. And now, my conversation with Dr. Sean Horan, primary care physician with magic sparkle fingers. Dr. Sean, Dr. Horan, 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 how do I say Horan. it? Horan. I had none of that right. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Okay. What makes you interesting? You would think I'd have a canned answer for this question. I, yeah, I would it's, think it's you would have it. You've got a couple of things that I know you're pretty yeah, interesting. I honestly think um, I'm predictably unpredictable, which is probably makes me very interesting. I have very specific, clear, direct boundaries, but I'm also queer and strange in all the ways that don't seem to conform. So it's kind of a weirdness right. within operating parameters. Sure. Do you have any examples of that? Um, well, I'm a doctor, but I'm queer and I have rainbow glasses and I have a strange presentation for personality that goes along with that. Um, I am a doctor, but I'm in sex positive communities and I'm open on the internet about my different things in that realm, which is not usually a common thing. A lot of people live in fear around that instead of just living their truth in that regard. And um, it definitely leads to some professional, I have to be considerate, for example, when I go in certain environments that there might be patients there and whatnot, but, uh, it always keeps life very interesting. Nonetheless, that that could happen. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever gone in to see a doctor and you're like a primary care physician, right? I'm, yeah, I'm a naturopathic physician and I, I serve as a primary care provider at a women's health clinic on Hawthorne in Portland. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a doctor or had a doctor or been to a visit and they came in with rainbow glasses. That's true. That is a true statement. I've never experienced that. Although I don't think, but that might just be me. I, I, that wouldn't shock me too much, especially living where I live and it wouldn't be too bad. But have you had a bad experience with that? Um, I've had some older people um, that 
I've had some older people that think it's fantastic. And then I've had other, other people that I wish my nails were painted. And it's like, you're going to get a prostate exam from sparkle fingers because you're so <laughs> closed minded type of thing. But, um, it's actually, I think more, um, the reason I, I like to, I mean, I don't have rainbow hair. I'm at least keeping my hair the way it is, but, um, I'm wearing a mask and I started my job the day that shelter in place went into effect last year. And most of my patients have not seen my face if they've seen me in person. Um, well, none of the people that have seen me in person have seen my face. They only get to see me if we do telehealth. So I, uh, kind of have to have my glasses and, uh, speak for me and just, uh, emote for me at the same time. Cause it's like, Hey, you're here for a pap smear. We've never met before and you can't see me emote. So. Bam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine, a, a, uh, it would actually be pretty comforting, especially if you're like doing well, like you're a primary care f- provider. Um, but you, you don't just stop there, right? Like you, you go a little bit beyond that, if I'm not mistaken. About half my practice is, um, is mental health med management, which was not necessarily expected when I first started out, but it's something that I, I really enjoy doing. It's something that um, we're really good about mental health coverage in uh, Oregon with the Oregon Health Plan and other insurance providers, but trying to get in to see a psychiatrist or a nurse, psychiatric nurse practitioner um, or a counselor for that matter is a really, really long waiting list oftentimes. Um, and a lot of mental health has been pushed into primary care anyways, because depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, other concerns are so kind of diffuse in the population that everybody that's in primary care is uh, facing that every single day. Um, but what I'm really passionate about outside of just, uh, never knowing what the heck's going to walk in my door, um, is teaching classes on sexual health and wellness topics, consent, um, I, my BDSM fluids and safety class is probably my favorite one to teach because I get the the most left field questions that I've ever heard in my entire life. And yet there's always an answer to it in terms of risk reduction or how to manage the the particular instances. So it's uh, get, it give us some of those questions. It. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's hear some of those questions. Like I, I th- this is the thing, like I, I think people don't realize that there are answers to those questions and they just don't ask them. So, yeah, what's an example of of some of that? Like, how do you get blood out of a whip? Things like that. Like, I don't know. Um, the question that comes up most often related to whips is more usually people want to know how long hepatitis C lasts on surfaces and whips because they're leather and leather is the hardest product to clean. People always want to know how to clean leather and it's like, leaving it on the sunlight essentially for weeks to actually ensure there's nothing alive on it. But realistically using it on one person is the best thing for, for leather. But, um, I had honestly, at least in terms of the question that I thought was most interesting of all, because I had to take a deep breath in answering it. So I didn't step in shit in front of 50 women was a guy asked me like, one out of every four women I go down on, like they smell and like, how am I supposed to tell them that? And just was like, how do you answer this question without looking like an asshole in the process? And right. I, I responded that normal was no odor at all through beef jerky. And this lesbian woman in the back was hooting and hollering at the beef jerky. Cause she knew exactly what I meant about, <laughs> menstrual, menstrual sense and everything related to that. But 
Um, I just went into how a person needed to be, um, if it's somebody you've dated for a long time and you know what they smell like and their odors changed, like definitely tell them you should have a rapport created already. Like, Hey, I noticed that something's a little different. Maybe see your doctor. If it's somebody you just met, you should have zero comments on that whatsoever because you may just not like the way that they smell and you should probably get smacked in the face for saying something. Um, but yeah, all different kinds of, I don't know how vulgar your show gets, but there's all different kinds of things that I've been asked. Yeah, go for it. Like the wheels off, go for it. Whatever okay. you'd like. P, P play comes up a lot. Um, one of my favorite jokes is the fact that it happens to be something I'm, I, I'm interested in, but, um, I always happen to forget and eat asparagus before it's like the right moment to do that. And of course it's the wrong time to do it. So we go through a list of like foods you should probably not eat and like just hydration and electrolytes and things like that. Pretty much people like to, I, I, I would prefer just water with electrolytes water. and it Gatorades, a lot of sugar and not enough electrolytes, sure. but um, good after a run perhaps. But um, yeah, people are into some really weird shit. I figured out as a, uh, um, I've been teaching my classes more and more and I thought I was, and then I'm like, Oh, I never even thought you could do this with that. And like, but that's how you'd have to be safe about it. Um, so and what, it's like a weird, the, oh, sorry, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, it's like a weird application of knowledge. Cause like none of us in, in any sort of medical training program really get enough education on a number of topics and human sexuality, honestly, is one of them. And it's something that literally almost all of us engage in some way or another. Um, you'd think that it would be a little, uh, I put my patients on the spot every day with very direct questions about behaviors so that I can like know medically what to do for them, but nobody teaches you how to have those conversations and most people have shame around answering it. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to navigate, but, um, having do you to think apply. Having the, do you think having like the rainbow and, and being a little bit more less doctory in their, in your presentation allows people to, to kind of open up about that stuff? I mean, I would, I would hope so. Um, I, I'm usually like, if I'm asking a question, like which sites of contact a person has, I'm also specifying like, this is so I know where to swab because most doctors are not going to do the appropriate testing unless I know who puts what where. Um, and I think that qualifying it with why the question's being asked, especially if it seems like out of left field and I'm just going through person's like annual exam and they're 35 and they've never been STI tested before. And a doctor's never asked them this before. It seems like, why would he be asking me about this information? And it turns out it's kind of critical for health screening. Understood. Um, and why, why is it that we don't, why it, obviously I have my own opinions about this, but why do you think that that is such a difficult conversation to have with our doctors? Like that is exactly the type of thing we should be going to doctors with is when things go awry. But I feel like that's, that people usually head to Reddit or, you know, they'll look it up on Google, but in, instead of talking to their doctor, I, where, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go. Please. I was going to say, I think a lot of times for people, um, I've been shamed at Planned Parenthood for my sexual proclivities. Like, um, and that's supposed to be one of the most sex positive places to go for healthcare information. Um, 
I donate to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood does wonderful work. That's not to discount any of the good that they do. I've just personally had an emotionally negative experience there one time as a patient. And I feel like a lot of us have had those experiences with providers where it's, we wanted to talk about sex or drugs or um, another huge taboo for doctors is talking about suicidal thoughts. Um, nobody wants to talk about that. And that's exactly who you should be going to talk to right. about that concern. Um, but I think a lot of people, A, don't feel necessarily safe in having those conversations with their provider of any kind. But my primary care doctor definitely, at least from the vibe that I've gotten, has no idea about about anything in that realm of life, at least to the degree that I do. So it's uh, it might, for a lot of people, be a... Um, one of my partner's physicians is a very Christian woman from Texas. So like everybody's got a different perspective in terms of how they provide their health care. And you just you know, wait, you're just waiting for marriage now, right, honey? You're just waiting pretty, for marriage. Pretty much. Or, or don't have sex for six months and see if the problem goes away when that's not a legitimate solution for anybody. But mm. um, true story of, of suggestions said person made at one point. But yeah. I think uh, just feeling safe and having those conversations um, and having somebody that's creating that space that is safe to have those conversations and is, is important. And um, I wish it were something we were teaching. And I wish I had learned this before my healthcare training and like learned this in like high school, how to have these kind of human interactions with people. Right. But um, definitely think we should be teaching uh, better for anybody that's going into the healthcare field specifically. Yeah, I have a, I do have a story real quick. Uh, I went, I, I was getting an STI check and it was a new uh, doctor that I was seeing, new PCP I was seeing. And uh, I had to fill out a survey ahead of time and it asked me how many um, partners have you had in the last three years? And I was like, oh, um, I put down a conservative number because I was mm-hmm. like, I, I, you know, that seems like a reasonable number. Uh, when I went in to go talk with her, she was like, okay, oh my, so you've had, you've been busy. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess. And she goes, okay, well, she was telling me about this drug that helps, um, block HIV. And I was like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, that's gotta be really expensive. And she was like, Well, it depends. Um, Sometimes it gets covered by insurance. And I was like, really? That's kind of amazing. And she goes, yeah, I just, I have a couple questions to ask you. I was like, sure. She goes, so when you have sex, do you prefer it anally or order orally? Vaginally? (laughs) (laughs) She just assumed, she just assumed that I was gay because, right? So yeah, I feel like those, these are good examples of Hey, let's have some training on this. Let's let's have these conversations, and it'd be really cool if if we could have uh, if people feel very safe going to their doctors. But I guess that's the same way with anything, right? Lawyers or anything like that. They're outside of of where they're at. Can't affect it. The question that you got asked is actually a question that I hate when people ask. I've answered providers straight up just to see their reaction when they've they've asked me how many partners I've had in the past 12 months because it's like, can you handle this piece of information? Right. Um, <laughs> but also, it's not relevant. It's not medically relevant. No. I, need to, I need to know if you've had one partner or more than one partner 
and who put what where um, specifically, like don't even care about their gender identities in terms of asking about the right. data that I'm asking for. It's literally just behavior-based testing. And by doing that, it removes any of the like higher level judgment stuff. It's like, oh, you receive here and you give there. Therefore, like we're going to do swab testing here and then syphilis and HIV and call it a day. Um, right. It, the only thing that helps me know if you've had X amount of partners in the last year is that you have the diagnosis code of high risk, bisexual, homosexual, or heterosexual behaviors, which I'm going to use the same diagnosis code, whether or not you've had sex with two people or 50 people. Um, I am glad though, at least the conversation about prep came up because a third, um, uh, it's either a third or two thirds. I think a third of primary care providers don't know that prep, the uh, medication to prevent HIV transmission even exists and don't prescribe it to their patients. Um, and we have this thing that like for a, a group of our patients, this is a very indicated supportive option uh, for the prevention of a um, an illness that or a viral infection that we even dec- a few decades ago was, was killing people all over the right. world. So, um, so another reason people don't go to their doctors, they don't know about the, the things uh, like this. Right. Yeah. It was mind blowing to me. I was, I was actually excited to hear that that existed had no idea. So it's, it's that information doesn't get to, you know, normal people like myself. Um, it's $1,600 a month. That's not cheap. And that's for the generic too. I think the, the new oh version gosh. of the generic. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So if you, uh, if you're in that high risk area and all of those types of things, just be aware, stop smoking, use that money towards this medication. It's co- it's covered by insurance, thankfully, and there are yeah, programs nationwide for low lower income individuals to access it. So it's it's moderately accessible, even though it's prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, what is the what is the big concern people have that uh, are, shouldn't be a concern? Is there anything that's like people get really freaked out about and it's not necessarily something that they should be freaked out about? I'm trying to think if there's like one thing that's most common in that regard. I think honestly, it's like something's been there less than 48 hours and they, and they think that it's like severe cancer or they're dying. And it's like, I wouldn't even go to my doctor unless something was there for seven days or more. And it's not getting better at that point um, right. for at least something minorly acute. But I also have more healthcare knowledge and first aid knowledge, but I don't know that there's a specific one that people are, um, I mean, COVID has been the biggest concern for a lot of people, and there's a ton of misinformation around that that I've had to, like, navigate or changing information that I've had to navigate with people over the course of a year. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's, like, one overarching um, concern that my entire patient group or even a proportion of them have specifically. Okay. All right. Before you became a doctor, was there anything else that you were uh, you were interested in doing? So before I went to a NUNM in Portland for a naturopathic medical school, I was at Albany Medical College in New York, um, where I studied biomedical ethics. And my focus was on reproductive um, health law and health policy around that. Um, and specifically did research about personhood amendments. But as a stepping stone further back, um, I have a bachelor's degree in philosophy and religious studies because I was considering being a Catholic priest for quite a long time, which is a very different, uh, very different realm of life that I'm in currently. But uh, 
medical ethics is kind of the perfect bridge point between philosophy and religious studies and then healthcare practice and clinical practice um, more recently. But um, yeah, I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut in an Irish and Italian Catholic family. And you either become a politician, a priest or a police officer. And the other three of the other ones don't really apply to me or appeal to me. And uh, I was an altar surfer and just very involved in church as a young kid. I was also the kid in church that was like, if God didn't create the sun until the third day, how did he count the first two days? Because <laughs> like already, already had to already like certain things didn't make sense. But um, <laughs> yeah, I went to a Catholic college and I honestly wasn't so much a believer at that point. I haven't really been a believer in God since my teenage years, but the concept of, of, community service and service to the people around me um, was more what was still appealing at that point. So it was like, well, I can study philosophy and, and different world religions in the process and then just realized definitely not the right course for me. Also, girls in college were too much of a temptation to ever, <laughs> ever have ever have given a vow of celibacy it was not going to happen. Was that was that the tur- was that one of the big turning points was it was like. I've, I'm never going to experience that. Like, is that, was that a thing? Well, I was already experiencing it, which was problematic for different reasons. Cause, cause you know, it's a horrible sin and the narcissist in the sky gives a shit if, if you touch somebody <laughs> else's genitals. That's right. Um, so, um, no, but I found myself at one point like crafting because there are ways that Catholic priests can be married, but they're like loopholes in canon law. And I like found myself trying to figure out how can I do both? Um, but uh, yeah, definitely not Catholic anymore. And uh, well, definitely culturally Catholic just because of socialization, but uh, um, not a uh, believer anymore. The Catholic nuns and priests taught me so well that I got out of the... Uh, the mind control system, so to speak. Definitely not, so to speak. Definitely the mind control system. Well, I think we all benefit from that. So I want to go back and thank all of those uh, priests and nuns for doing <laughs> just that. Um, any side projects you're working on? I am working on some content for classes and trying to get those out on Zoom because um, in person still not happening. And uh it's not the same doing things on the internet, but I would like to at least have some of my classes and some of the questions that I get asked um, most commonly, like primary care questions. I want to do a class just where people can click on it and be like, oh, there's the answer to my really common question already answered. Um, so I don't get 50 Facebook messages a day about very basic things that somebody could have typed into Google. But I'm also working on um, a personal lubricant called Dr. Sean snake oil. Cause I'm a naturopath and people would accuse naturopathic physicians, um, of, of selling snake oil. I provide primary care, so I wouldn't necessarily go down that route, but I figure if it's going to be a criticism levied at me and I can make a sexual joke out of it and serve my community Absolutely. at the same time, I'm just going to go with it. Um, and it's specifically, um, many of the silicone lubes that are coming out now or that have come out in the last few years are three or four ingredients of silicone and then vitamin E. Um, and the vitamin E makes it look fancy in terms of like its antioxidant effects, but it's made from soy and a lot of people are actually sensitive to soy and it can cause irritation. 
So I'm working on just a multi-silicone um, hypoallergenic one because um, I would want a lube that I can use with my partners and not have to worry about BV or yeast infections and uh, also be able to like buy it and not spend $30 for a tiny glass bottle that I have now dropped four times on the floor of Sanctuary and smashed um, smashed. <laughs> I mean- uh, Uber loop bottles on the attention to things like things are going all over the place. You put it on the counter or wherever bad spot you put it and it gets knocked over. Glass and silicone do not go together. It's like waiting to be dropped. Yeah. Like a water weenie. It's exactly. So in your packaging, what you should do is you should have it ribbed so that people can have a nice grip. I, um, I've actually, that's, that's brilliant. I haven't thought about the ribbing. Um, the bottle contour is actually something that I have been working for like, uh, samples with different companies. Cause they have, mm-hmm. uh, the one I kind of like right now is that, um, it's almost like a tux, I think it's called a tuxedo bottle where it's kind of like two curves and then flat at the top and flat at the bottom. Oh, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. have like a grip oh, around it. Work. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different bottle shapes that I, Learning about plastics in this process has been hilariously entertaining because there's just, it's its own entire world of things that I did not know existed, but um, better than putting things in a glass bottle for sure. Well, yeah, but the glass bottle's so fancy. Like, I think that's what, what happens is that it's like, oh, this is high end, so we got to put it in this pla- in this glass bottle. But you know, the practical is, you know, don't put a cork, put like a one of those things like the dishwasher soap, right? Like, like we could just squeeze it out yes. or a pump mm-hmm. like that. That makes more sense to me than anything else. But what am I? I'm just the end user. What do I know? That That's the people that should be giving the feedback on, on how to design <laughs> right. this. So yeah, I, will exactly. send you, I will send you a free sample as a trial when I'm doing product <laughs> testing and you can let me know how it works. I out. will let you know how it goes. How many of those bottles I have broken? Hopefully not. <laughs> um, tell, are, so you're pretty open about being polyamorous right mm-hmm. you, th- this is no this is not going to be a shock to anybody that you know or no nope. my like mother that. met all of my partners at my med school graduation and uh all at once and had never met them before i am out in every in my professional communities and my personal life not that it's always relevant to talk about but i am not sure not an, not an area of life i feel the need to hide i think that's the way it should be so i oh, uh, all right. Um, so this is your Catholic mom. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes. Got to meet how many. Also people? a registered Republican. Um, oh, but, of course. But, 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 thought, <laughs> but, thought, but thought Trump was an asshole and did not vote for him. And but but still registered as a Republican. She met seven partners, lovers, friend, intimate friends uh, at my med school graduation. Um, not all of whom were, were cisgendered and um, some of whom were married. To women and got to learn all about different relational dynamics all at once very quickly um and she was so goddamn impressed by like openness and communication and how we all interacted with one another and how it just seemed very familial um that she had nothing but praise and adulation around it quite frankly it was kind of mind-blowing to her i think in a really positive way um she and I also watched Big Love together uh, on HBO years and years ago, which was kind of like my first introduction at all to anything of open relationships. Um, not that the Mormons are the standard by which I should be measuring myself. <laughs> 
but um, she at least had some familiarity with the concept that not everybody is in a heterosexual monogamous relationship. And I think just having examples that I could point to from that show about this emotional difficulty or that emotional difficulty kind of gave a frame of reference that we could share conversation about it. So I, I agree. Uh, uh, being in an open relationship is absolutely, it's the most honest relationship I've ever been in. It's so great because uh, you can talk about anything and it's a okay. Um, maybe not all the actions are a okay, but at least the conversation usually ends up all right, we can at least talk through this or figure out all that stuff. What have you found is is a difficulty? What is something that that people, because uh, I think people um, are freaked out about poly relationships. What is a bad situation that you've personally had? You don't have to use names or anything like that, but like, is there anything that you have that like worst case scenario in those cases? Well, I'm not perfect at polyamory. I just want to point that out like there. And I start, I start off my consent classes by like, please do not put me on a pedestal because I happen to be the person on this side of the, the group and think that I've been perfect about this forever. Cause like socialize as a white guy on the East coast, like learning and growing all the time. Um, I think, um, one of the bigger difficulties or conceptual difficulties is cheating in polyamory. Um, because like, Oh, you have an open relationship. You can't cheat and you totally can. And it's just a, it's the violation of the, the open agreement that you happen to have with that person that constitutes cheating, not the fact that you're sleeping with or spending time with somebody else. Honestly, I think we all come to, I have been processing a lot of this over the pandemic as my relationships have changed or ended. And just the baggage that we bring to relationships or like expectations that have fermented since childhood about what relationships are supposed to be. But then you add multiple relational dynamics on top of it at the same time and different emotional triggers can activate all different kinds of things. So it can be easy to either use the relationships to numb out quite frankly, and not have to address emotional things, or they can be one of the best things for pointing out what those triggers and that package is and how to heal that and clean that. Yeah. I think yeah, that just one of the, don't, don't lie in a poly relationship is like, right, the, well, don't, like, like the best yeah. example. And don't, don't, I mean, I am a big fan of not lying because then you have to remember it for the rest of time. But yes. you can also, you can also <laughs> obfuscate details to like create a certain story in a certain way that you didn't technically lie. Um, and that's not, healthy or direct communication that I think is one of the things where context most specifically I can think of this is if you're concerned about the other person's feelings um turns out you might actually be concerned about your ability to deal with the other person's feelings and disclosing it but out of concern for the other person's feelings uh you might detail something much differently than than you might otherwise can be very harmful <clears throat> I think over time oh it was only slightly bigger <laughs> 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 uh, one of the things I, uh, I get asked personally is, uh, like, don't you get jealous? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> jealousy is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's how you handle that jealousy that I think that's what really changes when you start to realize, like when you're on the receiving end and also you realize you're creating jealousy situations, it's like, oh, 
we can navigate this much better. I, I just, I absolutely love poly relationships. I could have, we could have done the entire show just talking about those, but. The question I get asked most often by people that are uh, monogamous are, aren't you afraid so-and-so is going to find somebody better and leave you? And my response is usually, no, that's your insecurity. Because that's Mm -hmm. like the fundamental insecurity for a lot of people that are in monogamous relationships. It still comes up in poly, but in different ways. And I often, at least for me, the easiest way to like, jealousy, I think is a very normal thing. But um, how we act or allow it to uh, control us is not necessarily the healthy thing. But I had something come up a few weeks ago where I was like, it took about 30 seconds to process it. But I'm like, you were just doing this with a different girl last week. And like, she was totally okay with it. Why does it matter that she's doing the exact same thing with a different guy? Like, like, um, and most of the time, I don't even communicate my jealousies anymore because they're with very rare exceptions about maybe intention or or communication could have been a little better. Most of the time it's my own bullshit that I have to deal with. And it's not even for them to know that I'm processing that necessarily because it's, it's my work to do. So that's kind of what I meant in terms of the whole cleaning process too. It helps you get rid of those entanglements or attachments or expectations around relationships that are supposed to exist. And kind of, I'm a relationship anarchist in addition to being poly, which it means something different to everybody, but like I, I live alone, I date poly people, and I kind of have each relationship go where it's supposed to go for its own ends, um, rather than having like one predominant relationship with like hierarchy above others. But yeah, it's a, uh, I forgot what the original thread of what I was talking about was, but it's. Uh, no, I, um, I, I, I think you're, I, I think you're onto something. The other thing is, is for me, it's like, if you truly love somebody don't you want them to be with the best person possible? And if that other person's a better match, then uh, why would I be, I, why do I want to be the second in that situation? Right. I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want them pining for somebody else and then settling for me. Terrible. I want to sure. be the person they're pining for. This is fantastic. Uh, we may have to have another conversation about at some point about just poly relationships. Maybe we can get a couple people that we know. Okay. Talk about it. You'd have some very interesting personalities if you got some people that we know. (laughs) Man, I am trying so hard to get them on. Um, All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. It's been about a half hour. Now it's time for us to record a sketch. Are you looking for a doctor with magic sparkle fingers? I totally understand. If you would like to learn more, well, Sean, where where can people find out more about you? Okay. Um, my website is Dr. Sean P. Horn, excuse me, Dr. Sean Horn.com, D-R-S-E-A-N-H-O-R-A-N.com. Um, my phone number, my contact information is all on the website, as are fees and services that I provide, um, and soon to be links to classes that I'll be offering on the website as well. Um, I'm also available if you have insurance. I take a number of different um, major insurance plans, including the Oregon Health Plan, and I am available at a Balanced Life Healthcare on Southeast Hawthorne in Portland, Oregon, for primary care services and adjunctive sexual health services um, and mental health management. And just to be 100% clear, Dr. Sean's office life is way different than his after-office life. And now, our sketch. Father, I think I have sinned. Yes, my child. 
Father, I, I've sinned. Yes, my child. Gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I, I had some impure thoughts. Impure thoughts are common for many of us. Could you describe them? <sighs> oh, boy. Um, I was riding my bike down the street and I noticed there were some construction workers. My mind kind of went someplace and I, I kind of fantasized about them. God gave us wonderful creative imagination and it's a completely normal and healthy aspect of life to take in scenes from the world and fantasize about them in our minds and our fellow human beings are uh, created in the image of God. So I don't think it's particularly sinful to find others attractive. I keep riding my bike around the construction spot and use my phone to take pictures. Is, is that is that Okay. Not so much a problem for God, but that might be a problem for the local police or just for the consent of the people that are in the photos in general. It's okay to look, but do not take pictures without permission. Okay, what about if they are off of work and I maybe follow their cars home or trucks home and uh, just sit in the bushes just staring longingly at their front door? As long as you are striving every day to do better and to sin less and to help your fellow humans, you can live knowing that you are in the grace of God. Okay, well, that makes me feel so much better. Also, finding out that they had an automatic sprinkler system made me feel so much better. Thank you so much, Father. Okay, no no Hail Marys or... If I gave you some, do you think you'd do them? Probably not. Hello? Hello? Yes. Is there anybody in... Oh, yes, sorry. It, it's hard to see. I can't see beyond the... I guess I've sinned. In what way, my child? Well, I had premarital sex, but like, whatever. It was unintentional. It just kind of happened. You know, I didn't plan it. But uh, I ended up uh, I ended up getting pregnant. My mom and my friends all tell me like that's a bad idea. I'm considering going over to Planned Parenthood and and just getting some help with that. I just kind of wanted to see like what's the what's what what do I have to worry about? Is this uh, going to cause me some serious detriment in my soul? This is something that I would definitely encourage you to speak to a provider at a women's health clinic about so that you know what your options are. Abortion isn't the only option available to you. There is also adoption. The Catholic Church does consider abortion to be a grave sin. We always have the opportunity to restore our state of grace, but I would encourage you to speak to a healthcare provider about your options in this particular instance as well. So you want me to go talk to my doctor about that, like my actual doctor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because my actual doctor goes to the same church. You sure that that's a good idea? Uh, on a side note, uh, is this is this Father Sean? Because uh, he's kind of cute. I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right person. Pardon me, Father. I uh, I have sinned. Yes, my child. Last week, I uh, I did some speeding in my car. Yes. Is there another sin that you are also concerned about today, my child? Well, I was uh, I was speeding because I was driving away. Away from what? Well, I was driving away from... Uh, I, I needed to get out of there pretty quick. Were you in a situation of some sort? It was somebody else's house. And who, who was this other person? Uh, it was... Uh, it was a familiar house. Are you trying to tell me that you were leaving a woman's house very rapidly and were speeding on the way home? That's most of it, yeah. Okay. Could you describe this situation? I'm, I'm trying to understand, but I'm, I'm lacking context. And just to be clear from the beginning, speeding itself is a 
a civil authority is concerned. I don't think God is concerned what velocity you're going in a motor vehicle. We are into some interesting things. It's not sex necessarily. Well, the Catholic Church does say that masturbation or sexual interactions outside of the kind of no, 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 no masturbating. No, no, no masturbating. Yeah. So what we do is we drink a lot of water and then we like to, you know, when you have to go, instead of going to the bathroom, we just end up going on each other. Yeah. I don't think that this is explicitly a sin. All right. Well, we didn't do it at this person's house. Okay, where where did this occur? Actually, it happened here. My child, you have fallen far from grace. Thank you so much for listening. You know, we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. And if you did enjoy listening, can I urge you to go to one of the websites where they do reviews and leave one for us? It not only means a ton to me, but it also means a great deal to our guests. We do these because we're trying to get a little bit of promotion for whatever we're doing. And getting that exposure is super helpful. It also helps to get great guests for the show. Plus, I just found out this is one of the top podcasts in the world it'd be really nice to build a bigger community behind it. Also, you can visit sketchcomedypodcastshow.com to get all of the links for anywhere you would like to subscribe or listen to the show. And also, don't forget, we got a YouTube channel too. You can actually see people talk. It's kind of fun. And now for some of the boring stuff. Sketch Comedy Podcast Show is recorded under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Derivative 4.0 International License. What that means is if you would like to use a portion of the show, please contact me so that we can just agree on it and I can ensure that you have the best possible recording of it. Sketch Comedy Podcast Show is copyright Stuart Rice 2021. Until next time, get out there, be safe, but get out there and improvise a story all of your own.